Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally near But I can feel the change in the wind right now Nothing's in my way Jess Armline coming to you from Individualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. And we also have with us tonight Sean Bean. Sean, say hey to everybody. Hello, folks. How are you doing? I think he's... um... And the both of us decided to get together tonight, and I'm really glad to have my brother with me, because we decided that tonight should be a Q&A. This is going to be your night, so you can call your text uh, messages. I've gotten a couple of messages on email. Okay, and basically we're going to talk about the relationship between uh, your genes or your systems and your health. So I'm going to start off. By the way, the call-in number, I see people already lining up here, is 646-595-22. What it does and what it means. Okay, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna make it very short, maybe five or seven minutes, and then I'm gonna open it up. I've already got two callers waiting, and you guys can call us, grill us, throw. But we're gonna tell you the truth about how polymorphisms work. Okay, so let me spend just a couple seconds telling you exactly what we're talking. You talk about genes and SNPs and pathways, and we fr- we tend to look at MTHFR and go a little bit nuts, okay? And you know my opinion about this. Well, you know, trying to tell everybody that it is not just all of that, okay? Um, and I'm being told that I'm breaking. Okay, uh, let me see what I can do about that. Let me know if it, this gets any better. I'm going to cut out some some other things that might be interfering uh, for some reason. Okay, if you would look, and if you've been uh, looking at our <clears throat> our podcast or listened to our podcast for a while, you know that I did a podcast a little while ago on... Uh, 
on MTHR form, what it means. Okay, and, and one of the things I showed you was this big picture of all the biochemical pathways of the body. And it had a little arrow to the methylation pathway. Okay, then I, the next thing I showed you was the galaxy with this little arrow that says you are here. And really, that's what we're talking about. Okay, if you want to fix a body, you don't fix it from the end. So you don't fix MTHFR. You don't fix the methylation pathway. You fix the body and let the pathways start fixing themselves. And that may sound like sacrilege, and I'm sure to a lot of people it's going to be sacrilege, but I can tell you why it's sacrilege to a lot of people. But I'm not going to get a little too cynical because there's some people out there making a ton of money by lying to you all. And we're not going to lie to you all. Okay? It's as simple as that. So anyway, really, what we're talking about are genes that encode enzymes. Okay? These genes create enzymes. Enzymes are what run the biochemical pathways of your body. Okay, so when you're looking at a gene and it's green, it means that that enzyme is working at its usual function. If it's yellow or heterozygous, the presumption is the enzyme is working at about 60% of its function. And if it's homozygous or red, the enzyme is working at about 10 to 20% of its function. Now, if you think about a highway, and this is my, my, my constant example, Think about the green as an eight-lane highway and the, and the yellow as a four-lane highway and the red as a two-lane highway. And the fact is that it doesn't really matter how thick the highway is, how many lanes it is. It only matters how much traffic you have going through it. So if you have a two-lane highway that has no traffic, you can travel down there 50 miles an hour, no problem. Okay? What that means is that the pathway will work because that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about a gene or a pathway, we're talking about all the pathways of the body, will work as long as there's not a lot of traffic going through. What is this traffic? The traffic are things like bacteria, heavy metals, viruses, parasites, food allergens, candida, leaky gut syndrome, yada, yada, yada. Okay, these are the things that will slow the pathway down so that you either don't get your detoxification, or you don't get your product, or you don't get whatever the thing is supposed to do. This has been termed as turning on or turning off genes, which is an impossibility, okay? And it's been termed in many different ways, but it all amounts to traffic. And the fact is you can picture a two-lane highway getting pretty thick with traffic pretty quick, and perhaps a four-lane. But as Sean wisely pointed out many times, if you ha just because it's green doesn't mean you're good to go because just think of that highway in Los Angeles, during rush hour, you can take an eight-lane highway and put enough traffic in it to make it slow down and act like a homozygous or two-lane highway. And Susie Cohen, America's most trusted pharmacist, a couple of weeks ago, pointed out how certain medicines do this also. Okay, so we talk about genes. We talk about looking at the pathways to see which pathways might, under oxidative stress, not work as well. So that gives us predictive power. Also, if we have someone who doesn't want to get better, okay, and we want to sit there and go, hmm, why is this person not getting better? Perhaps if we look at the pathways and we know they have a lot of oxidative stress, we can extrapolate backwards and say, hey, we better look at that mitochondria. Hey, we better look at that transulfuration pathway. Maybe they're, the green drink that they're drinking all the time is adding so much sulfur that even though it's green, it's locking it up, okay? So when I look at a lot of questions 
Um, hopefully I'm not still breaking up. Um, when I look at a lot of questions uh, on our on our various blogs, people still tend to go towards, I have this gene and it's doing this. The gene itself is not doing anything. Okay? And I know, holy, holy gosh, sacrilege, you know? I'm going to be struck down by lightning, but Dr. Ben Lynch himself, the MTHFR master himself. Thank you. Thank you, Gail. I appreciate you telling me it sounds good. Um, what should we call it? The MTHFR master himself and his most recent webinar, webcast, was sitting there, and I almost fainted. He's stomping his foot. He looked like Nikita Khrushchev with his shoe at the UN saying, yet, 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 you know, telling everybody, don't treat the SNPs, treat the body. Consider the SNPs, certainly, but that's not what you treat. You treat the body. Very, very simple. You treat the body, and the SNPs or the blockages will begin to open up on their own. The same way if you want to get rid of a traffic jam, okay? You simply stop putting traffic into the pathways, okay? Sometimes people who like to detox are putting so much stuff in their bodies to detox that they have to detox what they're throwing into their bodies to detox, okay? It doesn't make an awful lot of sense, all right? So tonight, what I wanted to do, because I see a lot of new people on our blogs, and we're on several of them. We answer a lot of questions. You guys may not realize that sometimes you ask a question, you may not get an answer right quick, but Sean and I and Dr. Kevin and a bunch of other people are all over about six or seven different blogs trying to tell the truth so that you have information to work with. Okay, we don't get anything from it, but we get the satisfaction that you're knowing that this is the truth. Okay, now... I've got to tell you that there are people out there, and I'm going to say this once and then I'm going to let it go. There are people out there who are, and there's a lot of companies, who are still and who are purposely taking the 23andMe, putting it through a system, cranking it out, and then telling the doctors what to give you based on the SNPs, which makes no sense whatsoever. They're not, you know, evaluating your your condition, Okay, they're not giving you any indication of your condition. You know, they, you're not even taking into consideration anything that might be wrong with you. And this goes from the ridiculous to the sublime. There's some companies that will look at the whole 23andMe, and then there's some venerable companies that says, give us your 23andMe, we'll look at the eight methylation SNPs and then tell you what to give your patient. Everybody's jumping on the bandwagon, okay? And guess what? People are starting to get hurt, okay? It's the absolute truth. So... With that basis, okay, I'm gonna let I'm gonna read a question that I thought kind of opens it up opens this up because I'm not going to answer the question, but I'm going to read the question. It says if someone has MAT variants, what do you suggest for supporting the methionine to SAMe conversion? Then it said how serious is the hypermethionine, and what is the variance that contribute to it, and what can be done about it if it exists. If someone has GAMT variants, does taking creatinine spare SAMe as well support muscle strength? Even if someone does not have GMT, GAMT variants, is there ever an instance when taking creatinine would be more a more effective approach to supporting SAMe by sparing it since 70% of SAMe is used for creatinine production? How much does SHMT variant impact the production of tetrahydrobiopterin? And this is from... Guess what? One of the representatives of one of the companies who's the most egregious in doing this. 
The reason I point this out is because this person is asking questions saying, if I have this variant, what do I do to fix the variant? You don't fix the variant. You fix the body. Okay? You don't fix the variant. You fix the body. The reason Sean and I and our group are so successful in curing people is because we treat the body. We treat all the biochemical pathways. We don't try and tweak one pathway or try and look at one gene and say, hmm, let's push it that way. Yes, we consider the genes. We also consider neuroendoimmunology. We also consider mitochondrial dysfunction. We also consider the functionality of the cell wall and the function of the cell wall. Okay? We look at it all together. Okay? So guess what? All right? With that basis, I'm going to open up the phones. And you guys can call in and you can grill us, ask questions. Okay? And guess what? If we don't know the answer, we're going to tell you we don't know. All right? But we're going to set everybody straight tonight. Okay? We're going to be here, yell at us, scream at us, throw rocks at us. I don't care. I want you guys to know the truth. And more than that, I don't want you being taken advantage of by other companies who are out there who are simply looking to make a buck by saying, let's treat MTHFR or let's treat the gene because it's an impossibility. Okay? Lecture over. I'm opening up the first question. Nice person in the 610 area code. Are you there? Hello? Hi. Okay. Well, hopefully you'll call back. Nice person in the 412 area code. Are you there? Hello? Yeah, I guess not. Is anybody there? I guess not. Looks like they hung up. Okay, well, let me do one of these other questions. All right, another a nice person wrote and By the way, if you're if you're in the chat room, I'm also in the chat room right in front of me. Okay, please feel free to ask a question. I will read it out loud. I won't use your name. I will read it out loud. Okay, and we'll try and answer it. Oops, that 610 person called back. Hi, this is Dr. Armine. Are you there? Hello? Hmm. Sounds like they're using Morse code. That was a while ago. Okay. Well, hopefully they'll call back. Okay. So here's another. Here's a question. Why would an organic acid test show no change in B levels, I guess B vitamin levels, after two months of B-balanced supplementation that was designed and prescribed to a client, even if digestive enzymes in place, adrenal support, and, and neuros as well? Does this mean the bees need to be increased or antimicrobial treatment of the gut or lymph or both needed first for foundation to take hold? Um, okay, we'll answer that part of the question. Sean? Uh, the first type of question here, <clears throat> the first thing you have to answer yourself here is, is, is it systemic or is it something that's going on systemically or something that's in the gut? All right, normally these type of situations, I would definitely recommend um, – uh, since we're, I would use some type of oil as a, as a carrier. Uh, we use the B12 oil a lot, uh, b12oil.com, uh, for a lot of the autistic kids, and they do carry on very nicely. So um, you may have to use the application a few times a day, but we need to determine is this a gut issue or is this a, um, 
inability to process issue. Um, the last thing that can be done is there's also transdermal creams that are available um, topically. Um, I believe Lee's Pharmacy has them, um, which you can look up online. Uh, I think the only problem with that is, is it does contain uh, 5-methylfolate, which may not be applicable on some genetic expressions or person's symptomology of anxiety due to the fact that it can, in, it can increase the activity of the COMT, uh, which is not a good thing because it, it will increase catecholamines. Um, so what I tend to do here is, is I will go with an um, oil or if you can't go through, if you can't go through the gut, you go around the gut, okay? And I'm actually going to call organic acids tomorrow and verify if people are actually taking supplements and they're still on the left side of the scale. Um, is it a possibility that they are getting absorbed, but they're showing up uh, as um, not there because it may be too much? Because you know, with a lot of the scales and stuff, they go to the right and they stop. And right. it may be indication. So it may be actually an indication that it's getting in there and maybe it's um, doing its job. But I will, I'm going to call organic acid to verify that too because I have a lot of people, including myself, who's been pumping B vitamins for a long time and they're still in the um, <clears throat> over on the left hand side, which is quote the deficient range. But I'm beginning to question that's actually uh, deficient or not. So <clears throat> I'll let people know about that itself. So in this type of situation, look at the symptomology, okay? Look at other mm -hmm. alternative factors within, the, um, within the, um, the organic acid itself. For example, on glutaric, uh, on, uh, glutaric acid, um, if, you're, um, if one of the uh, fatty acid metabolisms are off, um, the last two, that could be an indication that it may not be working right, um, even though that it may be low. Um, if they respond negatively to glutathione, that's another indication that, the, that your B2 is low because you're not recycling it properly. So there's a lot of external factors we can look at to say, is this testing result accurate, okay, based upon not just one testing but multiple other laboratory testings, but more so just symptomology and how the person responds. Hey, you're preaching to the choir. Okay. <laughs> okay. The other part of the question here, mm -hmm. uh, which I, I think, what the, if, I, if I'm perceiving the question correctly, uh, is that she's doing everything she's supposed to be doing. Uh, does that mean the bees have to be increased, which you're answering? Uh, yes, the, in answer to your question, the, the, the questioner, you may need to do antimicrobial treatment concomitantly, uh, and you may need to work on the lymphatic system or the cell wall integrity because sometimes when the cells are leaking, almost nothing works. Okay. Now here, here's here's the here's the problem. Uh, there are there cases when foundational work after three to six months does not produce any changes, uh, and where it's time to lower the microbial load. Uh, yes, that's where that's a clinical decision. Lots of times you want to do the foundational work first, and then start lowering the microbial load. But some people you need to do it simultaneously, and sometimes you need to do it primarily. Uh, it's it's a, it's a the choice of the clinician, and it's by observation. Like in a case like this, you may be absolutely correct. It may be time to treat simultaneously, and maybe work on the cell wall stability, maybe with um, 
you know, phospholipids or, or a, a new substance that we're going to be introducing a little bit later, okay, that gets directly into the cells quite well. So, uh, yes, it, in answer to your question, everything that Sean said, plus this is a time to speak with your uh, consultant and say, okay, it's been like three to six months. There's not a lot of changes. What do you think we should do? How should we rethink it? The essence of bioindividualized medicine is to be able, and the willingness and the ability to sit back and say, okay, <clears throat> let's rethink this, okay, and not just say, hey, are you following the protocol and then leave it, leave it gone, okay? So um, that's what we do. You know, those two people are back from 412. Let's see what they, if they have a question. Hi, nice person in the 412 area. Good. Are you there or are you just listening? I'm getting kind of lonely here. This person's not even answering. Jess? Okay. Yeah. Jess? Yeah. Hello? Dr. Hello? Dr. Armin, I'm sorry. I didn't, I'm just listening. I had my phone muted. Didn't no realize problem. you were uh, talking <laughs> to me. I apologize. Not a problem, brother. Not a problem. If you don't have a question, I'll just go to the next person, okay? I I do not. Thank you. All right. Thank you, my friend. How about the nice person in the 610 area code? Are you listening or, or did you have a question? Hello? Well, I guess I'll presume this person's just listening. Okay. Uh, like I said, 646-595-2277. Okay, uh, I don't have a lot of questions sitting in front of me, so you guys better start asking questions because I have nothing prepared tonight except to ask, answer questions. And um, oops, somebody's typing. I can see them. I see the word typing coming up. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, um, we're going to be introducing our Sean and I are not big on hawking um, uh, products. Okay, you know we do our research, but there's a something pretty new out there. Okay, that we're going to be introducing pretty soon. What would be histamine symptoms? Okay, well, your classic histamine symptoms are like your cold symptoms, you know, where you have a lot of leakiness and drippiness and you're blowing your nose and you're coughing. And, you know, you have to realize that histamine can be intracellular and extracellular. Okay, and they're treated somewhat differently. Okay, but the basic thing you have to know about histamine is that it's one of the reasons that your cells become leaky in the first place. And, of course, anything can go from the ridiculous to the sublime, which means that you can have, you know, histamine just from environmental allergies, you can have from um, leaky gut syndrome, you can have all the way out to mast cell activation disorder, which is where histamine comes from, the mast cells, that with very little signaling will degranulate and release histamine and heparin and cause all manner of... Um, uh, all manner of things. Uh, and, of course, the things that can set it off, as this person just wisely typed in, are things like mold, microbial issues. Uh, remember, it can be a direct relationship or an indirect relationship. Sometimes the mold or the microbial issues weaken the body to the point that it doesn't take much for the mast cells to release, and then you get all the downstream effect of the histamine. Whereas, uh, sometimes it's very direct, like if you have a lot of IgE, related polymorphisms, which kind of indicate that if you have leaky gut syndrome, you're going to produce a lot of IgE, therefore a lot of histamine, okay, and so you might have an awful lot of histamine. Um, of course, the, you know, eating a lot of histamine-related foods, if you start putting a lot of stuff together, instead of looking at the one thing, you look at the whole 
symphony, if you will, okay, and you will see uh, what the role of the histamine is. But generally speaking, histamine uh, will tear open cells, okay, and leaky cells mean that you will never heal. You know, we talk about leaky gut all the time, but we forget about leaky blood-brain barrier, leaky mitochondria. In the mitochondria, which creates your energy, it has a double cell wall, okay? And when it takes those electron donors, it takes the protons and puts them into the intermembrane space between the two cell walls. If those cell walls are leaky, <laughs> those protons are going to go bye-bye. Those protons go bye-bye, and the ATP synthase at the very end of all the magic that happens just isn't going to work, okay? So it's one of the reasons that you can have illness is because of a lack of ATP. It's not just energy, it's illness. I remember way back when, when coenzyme Q10 came to the United States. It came in from Japan. And the reason it came in was because the Japanese dentists noticed that if they used coenzyme Q10, they could cure periodontal disease. Okay? And of course, certain types of multilevel marketing got a hold of it, dragged it into the United States, and was the new miracle drug. Okay, and I just kind of wait when things like that happen. Okay, the miracle drug, it only helped about 30, 40% of the people instead of 90% of the people because our diet wasn't so bereft in coenzyme Q10. And we now know that coenzyme Q10 ferries the products of a Krebs cycle, which is where you get your energy, into the mitochondrion so that you can continue to produce the rest of your ATP. With coenzyme Q10 not there, you're not going to get enough ATP. Not only are you going to have less energy, you're going to actually have set up for disease. So if your mitochondria aren't working, it's not just a matter of chronic fatigue. It's a matter that you're opening yourself up for microbial or other um, infectious involvement. Okay, so um, that's kind of the way you look at uh, leaky cells, if you will. And uh, I see somebody else typing. I hope it's a good question. You guys can call in. I mean, like 646-595-2277. Even the people who want to be argumentative can call in, okay? Um, I guess I'm opening up a... Uh, oh, here we go. I'm very new at this. I just ran my DNA through Dr. Yasko's website, and she's recommended 47 different supplements. I'm very overwhelmed, and I don't know where to start. Dearest, let me tell you something. I am so appreciative that you asked that question. Okay, uh, Dr. Yasko will be giving you, as you notice, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I promise I'll, I'll, whatever you write, I'll say, okay, she has looked at your polymorphisms and then gave you a very large amount of supplements to treat the polymorphisms. And even her supplement line is named for the polymorphism, okay? Uh, unfortunately, Dr. Yasko, that's her method of treatment, is treating the SNPs, and guess what? That's not the way to treat it. Her, also, her product's really expensive, and frankly, uh, almost almost nobody within our group uh, follows those protocols because she treats the polymorphisms, and that's just not the way to treat the body. So I can understand why you're overwhelmed, uh, my best suggestion is to pick a different healthcare practitioner that thinks like we do and um, let them go through this with you and make sense out of it because uh, treating the polymorphisms is not the way to get better. It just isn't. Plus, frankly, I don't 
think I've ever had anybody on 47 different supplements. They've come to me with a ton of supplements. Sometimes they come in with shopping bags, okay? But <laughs> we do our best to hone it down to what is necessary, okay? I know Sean agrees with me on that. Here's somebody calling in. Nice person in the 501 area code. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, this is Dr. Jessica Hi. Sean. What can we answer for you? Okay, recently I watched your presentation on YouTube on the 23andMe data and the MTHFR support, um, the print, the printout where, where you went through each section. Mm-hmm. How, okay. how to read your 23andMe without going crazy. Right. And my question was on the mitochondria <laughs> yeah. section. I'm sorry, on say it again because you're breaking up. Uh, my I'm question sorry, was again. on the my question was on the mitochondria section. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned that that there there are five uh, five sections, and right. the one five I complexes. have the interest right five complexes. Excuse me, the one I have the interest in uh, that you didn't really say much about is the fifth complex, because I have someone right. who has. The ATP5C1 SNP, which it mm-hmm. looked like that was fifth complex. I was wondering how you would support that. This person also has some of the ENDA SNPs, which looked like that was complex one. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I was wondering how, uh, how you would support that person. Let me go. Let me go through it for you. Okay. First of all, um, the complexes. Uh, if, if you really want, if you want to know the truth. The person who discovered the genes for the mitochondria is on the other end of this line, okay? And if you want to know the story real fast, we were doing a, a show on fluoroquinolone toxicity, and uh, some, and it was for just raising awareness. And uh, at the time, the... Um, the common knowledge was anybody who had fluoroquinolone toxicity had DNA damage, I'm sorry, mitochondrial DNA damage, and they would never heal. Well, some of them were healing on their own. So I looked at Sean and I said, they should be able to heal on their own, so there's something different. So in his brilliance, he opens up his laptop and in 20 minutes hands me a piece of paper with all the polymorphisms for the all the various complexes, and he walks out. I thought I was going to shoot him. I don't know how he does that. Okay, I really don't. Okay, it was amazing. So we went back to Sterling and said, do you think we could add this to your, um, it was a much earlier version of her app, and run like maybe 100 floxies or whatever, people with fluoroquinolone toxicity, so we could see if there's any uh, correlation. And uh, Sterling, with that real big heart of her, said, sure. You know, and we had another person who, who not, I don't have the permission to name, um, took all that information and data, put it on a big spreadsheet, and we were able to see for the fluoroquinolone toxicity people where the commonalities were uh, in their polymorphisms. And one of them was uh, in the first complex of the um, of the mitochondria, which is the NDUFS, okay? Now, uh, soon after that, we um, had lunch with an integrated psychiatrist who um, is one of our friends who told us about a doctor in Louisiana that was curing alcoholics with IV NAD, which is a niacin derivative. 
And as she's talking, I'm saying, she's not, he's not working with LPE receptors. He's working with mitochondria. So I called him the next day, chatted with him for a little bit, and he agreed that this was more of a mitochondrial thing. And we, of course, sent down a couple of floxies who were miraculously fixed by doing this particular IV. Um, we were at odds as to how what the mechanism was. And Dr. Ben Lynch actually found out what the mechanism was that opened up the mitochondria uh, when you had polymorphisms in the com first complex. It had to do with the fact that oxidized glutathione, given a two-lane or a four-lane highway, would block up that two- or four-lane highway actually where the electron donors come in. Okay? So the theory was and, and was subsequently borne out that if you used um, NAD derivatives, that help the glutathione conjugation pathway, the glutathione uh, pathway, pull the GSSG out and return it to oxidize, I'm sorry, uh, reduce glutathione, which is your active form, thereby opening up the pathway for the electron donors to go through. What we noticed in practice was the most significant polymorphisms that blocked ATP production were in complex one and maybe complex four. I don't know why complex four, but complex one, absolutely. So complex one is your NDUFS. We don't have complex two. Complex three is the UQCRC2. Complex four is the COX, and complex five is the ATP synthase. And the way that I think about it, which is non-scientific, but whatever is getting through ends up getting through the ATP synthase as long as everything else is working, as long as the cell the cell wall is patent, okay, which will hold on to those protons because the proton pressure, the proton gradient is what actually runs that little organelle at the end, which looks like a little factory, and ATP synthase is working there and actually takes the products of everything and starts spitting out ATP because one mole of glucose, which of course is not a furry animal, but a measurement, will produce 38 ATPs, but only two of them in glycolysis. The other 36 come out at the, at the um, bottom end of the mitochondrion. So you don't do anything about, per se, the ATP synthase. You fix everything around it. You get rid of the oxidative stress, okay, which means you're not going to have any blockades. And remember, always, that that person did not, was not born like that. Otherwise, it wouldn't have made it past 10. Okay, something occurred or things occurred that made those genetic predispositions start expressing. So you support the body, go after what caused it, and that opens up the pathways and allow things to work the way they're supposed to. There's not a direct relationship. Give, that, give this and that'll push that through. Okay, it just doesn't happen like that. Am I getting through? Uh, yes, so if the person is homozygous um, and for the ATP synthase in complex 5, you don't do anything mm -hmm. there. You just support the complex 1, which is where they have the other SNPs. You're halfway there, kid. Okay? You work the whole body. Okay? What is, right. What's blocking everything? Right. You're blocking okay. the oxidative stress, the otherwise known as reactive oxygen species, oxidating compounds, and let's not, you know, ROSs, let's not, you know, mix ROSs with RUSs, which are rats of unusual size. Okay, if you've, um, whatever. Anyway, so what you want to work on really is the oxidative stress. Now, you work on that, 
that'll take the traffic out of the pathway and it will rebuild. That doesn't mean that it, you know that you don't need the cofactors and coenzymes, vitamins and minerals to make things work. But you don't work on the NDUFS. You work on the oxidative stress. Okay? And I can take IV NAD. Let's say you have all kinds of oxidative stress. You come to my office. We start doing IV NAD at about $1,000 a pop, by the way. All right? And I do 10 IVs. You give me $10,000. You're feeling great. I don't take care of the root causes and that oxidative stress. Two weeks later, you're going to come back with a gun because you're going to feel horrible again because the pathway is going to crash again. So unless you treat generally and you treat foundationally, you treat the whole body, guess what? You can treat that pathway as much as you want. It's going to crash every time. You want to open it up permanently? Fix everything. Okay, get the body to work the way it's supposed to. I'm not being aggressive. I'm trying to tell you the truth because our orientation has been, oh, let's work on that SNP, okay? And we're trying to change that around to the to what is the truth, okay? Um, can I ask a couple more questions? Um, when you mentioned the root okay. causes, are, are you talking about whatever you would find on a functional test that would be related to this, like the oxidative stress, anything you would find on a functional test? Do you know the definition of a diagnosis? Yes. It is an estimate of what causes a problem. In other words, if you have a sore throat, that's a symptom. If you have a strep throat, now I know why you have a sore throat. Most of our diagnoses these days are symptom complexes, and that is not an estimate of the root cause. Chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, okay, almost everything you can name are symptom complexes. They don't necessarily tell you what the root cause is. You haven't told me why the person's fatigued. You haven't told me why the person's hurting. So when you're looking at for when you're looking at root cause, you're not only looking for those things, plural, that set up the oxidative stress over time. Okay, you're also looking for what those downstream effects are from those root causes. Because lots of times you can Lyme is a good example. You can kill all the bugs, but if you haven't given the body back its ability to heal, it'll remain sick because nothing's working. It'll look like the person still has Lyme, but they don't have Lyme. So you need to do root cause and downstream effect. The genetics give you pointers and hints as to where you might want to look, okay, and where things may have been, stones been left unturned. So... That may be on a functional test. That may be on a regular test. But you know how you really figure it out? You take a good history. History tells you everything. If you're in real estate, it's location, location, location. In medicine, it's history, history, history. And by the way, Sir William Mosler, the founding father of Johns Hopkins, created that particular method of taking a history. And he said, if you listen to your patient, he's telling you the diagnosis. Hope I answered your question. Uh, yes. Um, for the for that piece, uh, could the forty five methylation that this person has contribute to the oxidative stress? I'm sorry, I didn't hear. I'm not, I didn't could hear the, your question. Could the forty five methylation SNPs that this person has contribute to the oxidative stress that they're seeing in the, mitoc- in the mitochondria? 
No. Okay. The oxidative stress yep. can cause expression of the 45 methylation SNPs that would contribute to the body's dysfunction. It's the exact okay. opposite. It's the opposite. Okay. okay. Uh, thank thank you. you so much for your call. Bye bye. Nice person in the 651 area code. Are you there? Oh, hi there. Yeah, thanks for taking the call. Um, Not a it's problem. allergy season, and um, I, I want it is. It is. So more of a tendency to want to use some of the natural products, which have a lot of quercetin. I recently read, I think it was Dr. Yasko, saying that if you are um, homozygous for your comp enzymes, that quercetin is not a good match, and almost possibly going to more of the... You shouldn't name any products specifically, but more of you know the Claritins, the Zyrtex, and things like that. So my question is, what is your take on that? And are there any other are there any workarounds or any other natural products um, that can be? Pardon? Say again? I'll take this one. I can. Oh, please go okay. be my guest. Whenever you're dealing with comp, you always want to look at symptomology, okay? When a person has adverse reaction to quercetin, we have to look at what the, the enzyme function is of that gene itself, okay? So if a person has higher anxiety issues, then therefore if you take quercetin, it's going to inhibit the COMT, which is going to make that person more anxiety-ridden. So if you have pre-existing anxiety and you take quercetin and it inhibits the COMT and exacerbates your symptoms, then this quercetin is not right for you. Just because you have the gene doesn't mean it's not expressing, okay, or it's expressing. So quercetin is a great antihistaminic. Um, there are other options. Um, other things which you can use is nettle root. Nettle root is very good. Uh, it's a natural antihistamine, which does not affect any kind of the uh, genetic SNPs. Uh, I actually use it in depression because uh, nettles actually has a huge um, impact on serotonin because it does uh, affect the MAL-A. Um, because we <clears throat> we do know histamine also goes, histamine and serotonin both go, go through MAL-A. <clears throat> so if you lower the histamines, you're going to have more serotonin. So anytime you alter histamines, it's going to possibly impact serotonin output, which is positive in many areas because um, if the serotonin level is low, the immune system is going to be compromised. If the immune system is compromised, your resistance to stress in general will be increased. So a um, couple of solutions to this problem is, number one, increase your vitamin C would be good. Uh, another, <clears throat> another way to deal with allergies is possibly use um, creatine, because creatine is very good. Um, if a person has an expressive comp, because eventually it will build up the SAMI levels, but it will not build them up incredibly fast. So if a person is expressing comp, then therefore I use creatine as a first line of defense and just monitor things over time. Because as it was mentioned before, 70% of creatine, uh, of SAMI's production is for creatine, the other 30 is for fossil, is for fossil lipids. Jess, you want to add on to that? Um, just sometimes, if you would, it, you probably can't go wrong by using the diamine oxidase enzyme, okay, which will uh, help metabolize extracellular histamine. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that will bring down the, the part of the load of histamine and um, make you more comfortable. Um, my son walked in one day with um, horrible seasonal allergies, 
and I was getting kind of tired of him coughing, so I asked him to take one of these, and he doesn't like to take pills, so I just kind of threatened him with bodily violence. And um, <laughs> within about within about 15 minutes after taking this pill, he was 75% better. So, um, you know, of course, Dad doesn't know anything. But everything that Sean said was correct. There are lots of ways around um, the COMT issue. Um, and remember, it's just a hint. That doesn't mean, even though you have a SNP, does not mean it's going to, it is expressing or going to express. So you use that knowledge as hints to say, hmm, maybe I'll try this instead of that, okay, rather than saying that's not an absolute, okay? Okay. Thank thanks. you for that your call. Good. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. I'm going to read some of the questions that are on the uh, chat room. <clears throat> okay. Let's go. This next one. You were talking about mitochondria dysfunction. What are the key symptoms to look for as indicators that NDUFS is an issue? Also, it's related to this one on the Sterling App report came up red. Um Again, the SNP is not the issue. The oxidative stress is the issue. Okay, if you're having chronic fatigue and you have homozygous NDUFS, it is one of the hints that the mitochondria might be involved. How do you treat it? You treat it by treating the body, getting rid of the oxidative stress, supporting, okay, the function of the glutathione pathway, uh, usually with the cofactors, things that are NAD-related and so forth and so on. You don't treat... It's not an issue, it's a hint. Your highway in that area is only two lanes wide and there's a lot of traffic blocking it up so you're not getting your ATP as fast as you would like. And a follow-up is, so would mold toxicity or candida overcoat impact mitochondrial function? Yes and yes, because those are two very good root causes that cause all kinds of oxidative stress. Third question here. I believe I've been ill. Um, I think I have been ill-advised and have been overmethylated for a while. I'm pretty sure I have sulfur issues. I uh, did to uh, did a home urine strip testing. My question is, what would cause trouble breathing? Is it seems related to the sniffs? Now listen very carefully. Okay, if you have trouble breathing, remember Occam's razor. The simplest answer is usually the one. You get yourself checked out. You go to the medical doctor and get yourself checked out and make sure it is not something bad. I don't know your history. I don't know if you have COPD. I don't know if you're a smoker. I don't know anything about you, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you've got trouble breathing, you check the bad things out first. Everything's okay, yes. If you have too high or too low sulfur, it can cause breathing issues, okay? Maybe through histamine issues, and we've at one time, I think Sean remember, we all went a little crazy about treating the um, transsulfuration pathway and ended up knocking people's sulfur all the way down. And one, one of the symptoms of that was trouble breathing, and we ended up having to give people sulfur-related products to bring it back up. <clears throat> the urine test strips we have found to be less than helpful. Okay, they're not exactly correlated to what's really going on, just more of what's going on that day. If you feel like you've been all over-methylated, if you're taking methylated products, one of the ways to tell is to get your hands on some very cheap niacin, like the dollar store niacin, 
it's usually the 100 milligram caps tablets, and you chew about a quarter of it once an hour for a couple of hours, and it should chew up the extra methylating products and relieve the symptoms. You might get a little flushing, though. But if you have trouble breathing, okay, if you truly have trouble breathing, you must get that checked out first. Sean? Now, I agree 100% with that um, because it could be any kind of, it could be anything causing the problem, and you really need to have medical professional rule out the structural imbalances. You know, we, we're alternative medicine practitioners, people. We are not idiots, okay? You come in with a strep throat, I'm not going to paint it with ginger and violet because strep throat, if it's nasty, can cause rheumatic fever, which can cause rheumatic heart disease. And if you're a young woman, when you decide to start having children in your third trimester of pregnancy, you're going to start going into pulmonary edema because of the injury to your heart valves from the strep because I was an idiot. Okay, you treat if somebody if you have to take an antibiotic for something, you take the antibiotic. If you're working with an alternative medicine practitioner, if it's more important for you to take the antibiotic because it's dangerous for you to have the infection, we can always backfill in what your body needs. We can always fix it. Okay, but safety first. If it's a neuro and you, everybody knows that I'm one of my major expertise is in neuropsychiatric disorders. Okay, even within our group, when things get a little heavy on that side. They refer to me, and I'm thank and I thank God for it because, you know, it's one of my because you all know that I have some with with uh, with um, schizoaffective disorder, so it's one of my major areas of interest and expertise. I will tell you right off the bat when I feel like somebody's unsafe, I send them straight to the hospital. Okay, regardless of the medicines they will give them, the person must be safe. Can't work on a dead person. Okay, I can fix everything else. Once it gets taken care of, once they're stable, okay? You have to put holistic medicine is not woo-woo. It is not swinging dead chickens over people's heads. It is not crystals, okay? It is the best of both worlds. Your practitioner should be giving you the best of both worlds, not my way or the highway, the best of both worlds. That's what we're here for, to make sure that everything is considered and that you get the opportunity to get the best of what allopathic and alternative medicine have to offer. Nice nice person in the 616 area code. Are you there? Uh, yes, I Hello. am. Hi, this Hello. is Dr. Jessen Sean. Yes, I can. This is Dr. Jessen Sean. Okay. Would you like to ask a question? Yes, I do. Um, I have been just totally amazed at how many people have been helped by using marijuana and the whole endocannabinoid system, and I've just recently really started looking into that, and I wondered if you could add some insight onto, you know, into how how people that have, for example, depression for years have used every supplement out there, and then they use marijuana, and their depression's gone. Not using any other any other new supplement or whatever. I'm totally amazed by it, and I wonder what you know about that. And so you're talking about marinol, the actual marijuana, or are you talking about cannabidiol? Well, any of them. I mean, marijuana, whether it comes there's in a, a you know, CBD oil or okay. or some. I 
I'm a nurse, I have eight different patients, and I have some of them who smoke it, I have some of them who use oil, I have some of them, you know, they use all different forms of it, and they're uh, helped the, so much. I'm, in answer to your question, they, they are um, hitting receptors different ways. The actual marijuana, uh, the one that has tetrahydrocannabinol in it, which is psychoactive, okay, raises GABA and dopamine, okay, and it... Um, hits the receptors in a different way than the medicines do, okay, um, just because they're different substances. Cannabidiol, which is the non-psychoactive form, okay, has been long touted to be an anti-inflammatory, to be as powerful enough to heal cancer. Um, And it, I'm not exactly sure um, right off the top of my head its mechanism. Sean? I'm here. I'm, I was asking. I was going to ask him. Do you know the mechanism of um, how CBD works? Um, as you mentioned, you cannabinoid receptors throughout your body, um, and actually, they're actually thinking of there's actually disease could be cannabinoid deficiency. Our body was supposed to have cannabinoids um, present in it, and we wondered why it was taken away from us many, many years ago. So, um, you know, a lot of people came to the conclusion that you know. Is there a potential that we're a lot of illnesses based upon our deficiency of specific cannabinoids because they work on many different receptor sites throughout the body, especially in the brain? Um, I've monitored a lot of people who did cannabinoid oils in regards to um, neurotransmitters, and you could see the deviation on the serotonin and GABA on people that tend to um, use them, and um, and it was obvious because I had before and afters. So it was you could see the actual changes, and you could actually see the change in the anxiety and stuff um, of the person. I mean, we had one we had one client uh, from Canada who is an amazing story of how cannabinoids combined with um, other factors working in the gut has now brought a um, has brought a young man who basically was trapped in a five year old's body, starting to find his way back um, mm-hmm. again which is absolutely amazing. Um, so they do, yes, have a lot, they do have a lot of um, validity behind them. They're, they're starting to pick up more. But just like anything, you have to make sure the source is, you have to make sure the source is pure. I had a few clients and stuff that was trying to get stuff off the streets. Um, it mm. was tainted, and it actually had mold in it, and it got a mold, they got a mold smack, and it sent mm. their, it sent, it sent the client into total chaos, uh, and we oh, were able to actually, yep. and we were able to actually link it back after he was doing multiple after they were to multiple doctors of the root cause of the problem. And when I did their organic acid test, I'm like, listen, you think this is one thing, but it's not. It's mold, and here's the reasons mm. why. And it mm-hmm. and the history and the history and the data point pinpoint it right back. And when I mentioned it to him, their eye, you know, you could hear the the sigh in their voice because they knew that it was that that was the point of what happened, but they couldn't figure out whether it was a trigger for um, infections or whatnot, but it was a bad batch. Yes. Yeah. The cannabinoid world, the cannabis world is in kind of a flux at the moment and it will smooth out over the next couple of years. Okay. And the sources will be better monitored and so forth. But um, the fact, the only good thing about Obamacare is that it's allowed uh, this to come to the therapeutic community. 
and it's not right. just um, for chronic pain or, or getting rid of, um, you know, nausea from chemotherapy, but it's having wider-ranged um, therapeutic yeah. effectiveness. And, of course, what you have to be really careful, as Sean Wesley pointed out, is your source, okay? This is not sure. something I suggest you get off Amazon. I suggest you do research. There are several websites out there that um, people know what they're talking about, and they sell very good product. And I will tell you right now, the price is coming down. What used to cost $150 yeah. is, is, not, is knocking down significantly, which is the good yeah. old American supply and demand. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and I personally have gotten my medical marijuana license. I live in Michigan, and I've personally gotten my license after years and years of trying to figure out what's wrong with me. And it's helped me more than any supplement I've ever taken, and I'm, I'm just amazed by it. So, Like anything else, but, it is something that's part of a whole. And uh, when you work with a practitioner that understands how everything works, it goes into the big pot and say, okay, you know, we, we, our armamentarium includes XXXX, and we know when to use and how to use and, you know, when we should try something. And nothing's etched in stone, but that's the essence of individualized medicine. We make our treatment plans individual to your physiology. Thanks yeah. for your question. I appreciate you calling. Okay. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Nice person in the 215 area code. Are you there? Yeah, hello, Dr. Jeff and Sean. Hi, how are you? Can, I, can, we, ask, you can we answer a question for you? Yeah, um, I, I just got my results back from 23andMe, and I'm brand new to this. And um, I'm looking at my SNPs. Um, I've got um, uh, a mutation of the MAOAR297R gene. And I'm looking at Snipedia.com, which says, oh. according to Doctor, says according to Doctor Yasko, that um, that this SNP is related to um, an intolerance of methylfolate. However, I also have this heterozygous MTHFR compound MTHFR situation going on, and I understand that that's often treated by methylfolate. So my question is, determine if these two situations are being expressed, and if they're both being expressed, how do I reconcile this conflict with methylfolate? The first thing you have to do in that situation is to look at the symptomology. You have to ask yourself, how is this affecting me? Uh, It's like, what are you currently, what are the top three symptoms you're currently suffering with right now? Well, I'm dealing with um, hypothyroidism and um, uh, some sleep issues and uh, uh, a loss of libido. Okay, loss of libido will most likely probably be low testosterone, so you need to get your hormones checked. Second of all, the hypothyroidism, why is the hypothyroidism occurring? Okay, if you have the low libido, low hypothyroidism, you probably have low adrenal issues going on. So what we do from this situation is, is we start at the bottom and gradually work our way up. And to answer your question about the methylfolate in regards to the MAO, um, the function of the methylfolate is to increase catecholamines, and it does have the potential to increase serotonin, but very likely do I see that happening in a lot of people. So um, I don't see that much of an impact. On the MAO, 
What I normally tell people, normally would suggest people is, is if you take an antidepressant, you'll know from a psychiatrist standpoint that you won't, you might not not have a good reaction to um, Lexapro, Zoloft, or any kind of SSRI. And you normally have a person who, um, you know, in their history, like, oh my God, how did you, you know, I wish my psychiatrist would have known this. So, again, the expression of the MAO is usually indicative of how a person, if they've taken an antidepressant in the past, may have responded. Um, that's the first thing. Second of all, um, G- um, Jess, you want to take over this, too? Sure. Input here? Yeah. Um, uh, sir, let me, um, yeah. without, sounding, <clears throat> without sounding haughty, uh, I've got to tell you that a doctor who treats himself has got to fool for a patient. Okay, and that goes for me and that goes for you. Uh, researching your own SNFs will drive you out of your mind, okay? There have Uh-oh. been tons of research, and Snippedia reports various and sundry research that was performed, but it, it's confusing as all heck. First thing I would do is you go to our website, you sign up, and we'll send you a video on how to read your 23 and me without going crazy. That'll give you an overview of how to read those SNPs. Two, you can't make clinical decisions on the SNPs. That's why it's confusing. You have to go through symptomatology. You have to go through what clinically is going on because that's how you determine if something is expressing or not. Okay? And you have to look at the root causes and the downstream effects. In other words, do some foundational work on the body so that you will heal. The SNPs do not tell you what's wrong. The SNPs hint at what is wrong. And if you if you try and research them individually, you're courting psychosis. <laughs> okay? And I mean that to be funny. Because so it is there, a tough there's a tough it's a tough call. Okay? And it's hard for us to do after we take an entire history. Okay? It's impossible if you're new at this and you're trying to Navigate it yourself. Would a homocysteine test help determine if the MTHFR um, compound situation is being expressed? It might. What, and what? if you do that one, if you do the one thing, you're going to skew your. You you have to work with someone who understands the bigger picture. If you just do a homocysteine test, there are other things that can affect homocysteine. Okay, and you're going to make conclusions that may be erroneous to your particular physiology. Okay? It, you know, Sean and I have been doing this for a lot of years. Okay? Still learning. Okay? And I, I feel for you. I know when you take a look at that test, it's like 41 pages long. You say, oh, my God, what is all these numbers? And you start taking piece and one at a time, too, you know, and you start putting it together with your, your symptoms, and you say, okay. But it's really, really, really difficult if you're trying to do it on your own. And if you want good input, okay, that particular video I told you about is free, and it's about an hour and a half worth of a video. It'll give you a starting point, okay? And then you can start looking at your clinical situation saying, hmm. But, you know, picking out a test is is tough. You know, to say, okay, yes, homocysteine is going to tell me about MTHFR, it may or may not, okay? But I will tell you that you probably need an entire workup done if you haven't had one done before. 
given here some particular I'm symptoms. sorry, say that again? Okay. Say that again, please? You probably, you probably need a more extensive workup done, but that should be the province of you working with a healthcare provider, okay, because this is very hard for you to look at yourself and say, okay, this is what needs to be done, okay? I can tell you about a thousand different tests you can do, okay, but they still have to be correlated. And they have to be correlated based on not just the SNPs. I hate to be like okay. this, but that's the truth. You can run your SNPs, by the way, through a whole mess of these other programs, and they'll tell you what to take, okay? But they wouldn't be wrong. Okay. Okay? By the way, Thank if you, you want that, if you want that, you're welcome. There's another question here. Uh, my 15-year-old daughter is homozygous for NTHFR-C677T, COMTV, uh, and uh, V158M and H62H, VDR, TAC, MAOA, MTRR, CBS. She suffers from frequent migraines, anxiety, and has difficulty with focus. My thoughts? My thoughts are exactly what I told the nice gentleman just before. Okay. Do, are these things important? Yes. Okay. Are they the only things you should be looking at? No. Should you look at her history and find out what started when? Okay. There's, you know, I'm also a Dan doctor. You know, I took that training to defeat autism now that is now MAPS because they just weren't limited to MDs and DOs. Okay. There was a phrase that I learned that made a lot of sense. Genetics loads the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. Okay, there's loads of reasons for migraines. There's loads of reasons for anxiety. There's loads of reasons for attention disorders, okay? Um, at the very least, you should be looking at neurotransmitter levels. Um, but guess what? History may say, let's look for Lyme. History may say, let's look for chronic strep. History may say, you know, she may have a longer form of pandas. There's many things that can make these genetic pathways express, and that's what you should be looking for. Okay, be looking to decrease your oxidative stress, decrease your inflammation, okay, and that's the proper way of going about this. Unfortunately, some regular doctors kind of just take young ladies and say they're histrionic and kind of ignore it, okay, and on the other hand, there's people only understand methylation partly and say, well, let's just concentrate on the SNPs. You need somebody who can put it all together because that's the way it should be done. And like I said, even even you know, Dr. Ben Lynch was like, Well, don't treat the don't treat the SNPs, treat the person. I was like, I almost fainted because we've been doing this for years. Hope we're answering your questions. I see somebody else typing. Again, if you want to call in it's six four six five nine five two two seven seven. We do have a little while left. Okay, before we have to go. And uh, it looks like there's great interest tonight. And you're asking great questions, people. You're asking great questions. And I hope that I'm not being overly critical or overly um, <clears throat> adversal. Adversal. Is that a word? Adversarial. Haha. <laughs> put the, put the uh, accent on the right syllable. Okay. But I'm trying to, show, I'm trying to take your paradigm and turn it around so that you understand the truth. If you go to our if you go to our website, which is www.methylationsupport.com, and you'll see where you can get that 23andMe um, video 
All you have to do is sign up and you, you get it for free. Okay. Um, you'll see how to look at your polymorphisms in groups and get a general idea of what's going on. The question here is what do neurotransmitter tests show? Okay. Good question. Urinary neurotransmitter tests, which are the common things that are, um, and one person saying good night, you have to go to bed, good night. Thank you for being here. The uh, neurotransmitter test will show the levels of epinephrine, norepinephrine, <clears throat> uh, phenylephalamine, glycine, uh, serotonin, histamine, GABA, uh, glutamate. I'm probably missing one. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, a, another practitioner put out a um, paper today uh, questioning the validity of the neurotransmitter testing. And, and, of course, I answered it. When you do look at neurotransmitter metabolites like you do on the organic acid test, the reason I personally don't like them is because when you're looking at the metabolites like HMA, BMA, and so forth, that substance has gone through a lot of different changes and a lot of different enzymes before it becomes the metabolite, and so many things can affect those enzymes. The uh, company that I use, that we use, tests the actual presence of epinephrine, norepinephrine, and so forth in the urine. <clears throat> the other argument has been, well, this is not, and I love this because I'm usually standing in front of a crowd of doctors and somebody puts his nose up in the air and says, but that's not central nervous system. And what I want to say is, no, you know what, Sherlock? Okay, because if you're looking at urinary neurotransmitter testing, you look at what's coming out of the central nervous system and the body with the peripheral nervous system. But the numbers are irrelevant. The pattern is what you look at. And the pattern will tell you what's going on with the body. Okay? And that's the way I teach it. I call it dynamic neurotransmitter assessment. Okay? The pattern gives you an idea of what the balance is of the neurotransmitters. Now, think about this. If you had that pattern and you had depression and you could see that the serotonin was relatively low and everything else was on the higher side, you might want to start, if you're, if you're a medical doctor, with a serotonin reuptake inhibitor like Prozac or Zoboft or something like that. If you're a, if you're a non-medical practitioner, maybe you want to start with 5-hydroxytryptophan and so forth to raise serotonin. But what usually happens in depression? You go to see your doctor. He says, oh, you're depressed. Let me give you an antidepressant. That's usually an SSRI. And then you come back four weeks later and like, it's not working? Oh, let's double it. Okay. Then you go back about four weeks later, it's not working. Let's change it to something else, maybe like Lexapro or Selexa, whatever it happens to be. Another SSRI. Mm, it's not working four weeks later. Oh, let's change it. And by eight or nine months from now, they say, well, let's try Wellbutrin, which raises dopamine and norepinephrine. Okay? And maybe let's use Prestique, which will raise two other things. Eventually, you hit it. The, what, what's going to raise the proper neurotransmitters for you. But you spent a year and a half in pain. If I had these biomarkers in front of me, I'd have a starting point. I'll tell you a story. There's a, there's a, a gentleman I know, there's a, a kid, who um, I had the neurotransmitter test. I sent it to a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist didn't believe it. And this kid had some depression, had some focus problems, and he put him on Prozac, put him on Concerta, put him on, oh, my God, something else. He was walking around like a zombie. Okay, of course, he stopped taking the medicines, and then about six or eight months later, he's still having a problem. Decides to go back to the psychiatrist. I wrote a nice letter saying, look, 
I know you don't believe in the test, but look at the serotonin level. It's really low. How about you just start with one thing? Could you just start with your serotonin reuptake inhibitor? She put him on 10 milligrams of the Prozac, half the adult dose, and within three days he started feeling better because that was the linchpin. And she used the biomarker. So when I'm standing in front of a crowd of doctors and I explain the fact that this is used as biomarkers for guidance, not for being exact, I usually then turn to them and say, so what are you guys using as guidance for your prescriptions or anything else? And I wait. This is silence. And I wait some more until I hear crickets. And then I say, you guys are using nothing. You're guessing. I'm using a biomarker. You're guessing. And you're yelling at me? I don't think so. Okay, so the neurotransmitters can be used as biomarkers, especially if you know how to read them. And you guys know that I have a lot of nicknames, some of them not so um, complimentary, but one of my major nicknames is the neurotransmitter whisperer. Because one one time, a while back, I was reading a neurotransmitter test, and I can see it when I take a history, which way the neurotransmitters are going. And I told this lady her life history, and she said, I know who you are. I said, who? You're the neurotransmitter whisperer. And it's true. I could look at it and say, this is what's happening. I can also tell you if you have you know, an immune problem, or you have an immune problem with advanced decompensation. It's not exact. It's done with history, and that's why they're called biomarkers. And that's why the numbers are not important, but the pattern is. Okay, so. If Wellbutrin makes you very tired, is it a sign of high or low dopamine? Could be either. That's why you need to test. When you start taking a medicine and it's not working, or it, you've been, it's been working for a while, it's no longer working, or you're taking a nutraceutical that seems to work for a while and doesn't work and things are getting a little confused, that's when you have to stop working empirically, which is to say without testing, and do a test so you can see what the balance is so you know what to supplement. Okay. I It is now 9.14. <clears throat> Does anybody else have any questions? I hear Sean over there typing because... I know he gets bored easy, so he's probably researching like crazy. Okay. He said he is the best researcher I've ever met in my life. I call him up, I need something. Three minutes later I've got answers, what takes me three hours to do. It takes him three minutes. It amazes and angers me, but that's besides the point. Okay, well that joke didn't go over well. <laughs> okay, if anybody has questions, it's six four six five nine five two two seven seven. That's six four six Five nine five two two seven seven. If you are on the chat room, please ask your questions. Okay, I think I've gotten to everybody's questions. Um, if I haven't, please remind me so I can go up because it's one big long list here, and it's a little hard sometimes to to uh, follow it. Okay. Um, so we'll wait a couple of seconds to see if anybody else has any other questions or wants to call in, but. I want to just reiterate that um, the people out there or the the companies out there that are um, making it look very scientific and easy for you to take your 23andMe, put it through their system, and they'll give you a personalized treatment plan or 
you are going to see a doctor who goes to a weekend seminar, which always amazes me to be able to learn all this stuff in a weekend. Um, goes to a weekend seminar and then all of a sudden has a brand new set of vitamins in his office and or her office and is starting to talk methylation and stuff hasn't talked about before. Okay, and has a and gives you the you give them the twenty three and me and they give you the patient portion. Okay, it's very pretty, it's very nice, it explains the different steps. What you don't see is the doctor portion where they have told you what where they're telling the doctor what to give you and of course they have a set of product that is specific to their recommendation. Okay. You know, the neuroscience corporation, the, the neurotransmitted people that I use do the same thing. Okay, they they have a whole set of the whole another section where they say, "Oh, here's what you have. Give this." I don't even look at it. Okay, only because I teach with them. <laughs> no, but seriously, you shouldn't be looking at the neurotransmitters and just saying, "Okay, this, this, and this. Give that, that, and that." That's not the right way to do it. Okay, you should be taking a history and then look at the pattern and then decide the manner in which you want to fix this. Okay, uh, so. It works both. It works all ways. But please be careful if you work with a company, work with a doctor that looks like they're working with some kind of program that is telling them what to do and telling you what to take for the SNP. Because you don't take things for the SNPs, you treat the body, not the SNPs. And I think I'm not seeing anything else here. So, Sean, do you have any um, anything you'd like to say? No, I think he did a wonderful job um, providing information to the audience. And again, I'm agree with you 100% in the fact of people, practitioners have to stop treating the steps. They have to treat the people. The real reality is, is myself included, and probably Jess, I don't even address the methylation cycle in 90, 90 to 95% of my clients. There's no need to. If you go back through and Backtrack through the metabolic pathways, you find the imbalances that are affecting the gene expression in the first place. And once you correct them, everything corrects on its own. Uh, another factor is is I don't believe in detoxification. I think detoxifying um, directly is a bad thing. And there's a lot of companies that promote detoxification as the front end, which is one of the worst ideas they can do uh, through products when the um, when you have not unplugged the toilet, so to speak. So you have to look at the entire picture, and you've got to look at in, in the specific sequences. That's why we do things in the order of what we do, because you always want to, um, you know, you don't want to drop the bomb unless you know you have a plane fast enough to get the hell out of there. So, and you don't want to, you don't want your army to go into war without being properly prepared. So, as a bioindividualized medicine specialist, we prepare your soldiers for war, which is um, the war on health. And we want them to be prepared in every angle. And that's why a lot of our cases um, are successful where other practitioners are not. Um, the practitioners we work with do a great job of getting people to a certain level. But unfortunately, they just don't have the time or the um, research capability um, to actually go out and look research. Um, Jess and I know that you have to almost be a researcher to be, you have to you almost be a researcher full-time to stay up on the top of this. That's why I limit my clients uh, throughout the daytime to so I can actually go and research on cases 
as Jess does too. I limit my clients because my idea is I want to focus on it. If I can't, if I don't know the answer, I want to go find the answer and and be able to understand it. So how it can possibly help another case or even a doctor's case now. Um, Dr. Jess and I are starting to train practitioners who are really interested in moving the ball forward. Um, I've worked with several of them, and they've got nothing but positive feedback um, from their clients, accelerated recovery. So there's just a few among us that are doing this, but we want to make this known to it's available to all practitioners who want to train with us, um, and we want to be here to answer those questions that practitioners may have. Um, in regards to cases that they may have a hard time and setting up a, um, a peer-to-peer consult would not be a bad idea just to take a half hour and just say, hey, I got this case. I don't know where to go. Here's the date. I'm like, okay, well, let's take a look at it. And then we go over the case with them and, hey, it helps out. Maybe it helps out not some one. Maybe it helps out 10 or 15 because it's current trend he's seeing. So that's a whole other avenue um, that we want to explore in the future. And this is what we're in the process of doing. We've Not only do we train practitioners, we're going to have um, a product, if you will, that will allow the practitioner to give us a case for evaluation and we can make recommendations. Because the fact is most, most healthcare practitioners are quite busy. They don't have the time to learn all this stuff, okay, but they do need the input for their patients because I am under the impression, and, and I think it's a good impression, that most health, most healthcare practitioners really care an awful lot about their patients, and when they hit a wall, they just don't know where to go. And we're going to be that place that they can go and get good input. Okay. And when Sean uh, said we don't believe in detoxification, he was correct. But let me just clarify that just a little bit. We don't believe in the heavy duty detoxification, utilizing nasty nasty substances and all the stuff that people throw into their bodies that they feel is helping them detox. Detoxification comes from taking the traffic out of the pathways and can be done gently and it can be done non-injuriously. Let's face it, if you take EDTA or DMPS, whatever, you're not only pulling out the heavy metal, you're pulling out all the trace minerals and let's face it, people, okay, nothing's going to work if you don't have your trace minerals. Okay? And that's a reality. So, Anyway, um, I thank you all very much for your attention tonight because we're heading to the end of our show, okay? Uh, This was a great show, okay? Um, Don't you think, Sean? Absolutely. There was a lot of wonderful questions um, that were asked. Just remember that you can always contact us, and we'll be happy to give you a hand. This This is a tough subject, but... Genetics are new, and genetics are, if you'll excuse the expression, sexy. But they have to be put in the right place, and you must be properly served. You have to be properly taken care of. Okay, so you want to look in your healthcare provider to be taking a really good history, doing focused testing, okay, based on the history. In other words, if you call a doctor and they want to, they want twelve hundred dollars for you to see them, but they want twenty five hundred dollars worth the testing before you see them, walk the other way, okay? That's like throwing you-know-what against the wall and seeing what sticks. What should happen is that you should submit all your testing. You know, the healthcare provider should be looking it over beforehand. Then you have a meaningful consultation, and you 
hone down the root causes and downstream effects and decide how you're going to go about elucidating the root causes and treating the downstream effects, okay? This is why we can take the most complex cases and start fixing them because we knock it down to the individual physiology and we fix the bodies. And we use everything we know, okay, in every single case. And we have our toolbox could choke a horse. You know, sometimes you go to a doctor and all they treat is one thing. This is a person who treats protocols. And let's face it, that kind of doctor is, well, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Okay, that's not the kind of person you want to deal with. Not if you're having chronic eye. You need somebody who's more eclectic, like the old GP, somebody who has a large toolbox. Okay. Anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for your attention. Thank you for joining us tonight. We'll be seeing you next week is Labor Day, so we won't be having a... Um, we won't be having a um, a show, but we're lining up some really good stuff for the rest of the year, and um, we're going to be moving on. And our podcasts, our listens have just exceeded 98,000. We're going for the 100,000 mark. So I think the message is getting out, and it's getting out to the doctors, people. You know who's getting it out to the doctors? Not us. You are. You're doing exactly what I thought you would do. You're starting to demand better health, better health care. You keep it up. You deserve it. All the people with chronic illnesses, remember, it's all bupkis. Make sure your doctors take care of you. Threaten them if you have to, okay? You deserve it. You deserve the best. And that's why we're here. Thanks so much again. It's been a long, long Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally I can feel the change in the wind right now Nothing's in my way Just remember everybody Sean and I work really, really hard We have a big group of people When you consult with us, you get our entire group you don't just get just us, you get everybody. And uh, we all tell you about our headbanging sessions where we get together and discuss different cases. It's true. You know, where everybody else is running around on the weekends, we're sitting here sometimes just trying to figure out the worst case scenarios, okay, or a really difficult case. It's that kind of dedication that has allowed us to be right here. And it's your patronage and your confidence in us that makes it all worth it. So you guys have a good week. Have a good holiday weekend next weekend. And we'll see you all soon. Take care. Again, this is Dr. Jess Online here with Sean Bean at the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. You can contact us at www.methylationsupport.com. Good night, everybody.